Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. We got the cigar fired up already. Yeah, we've been kind of puffing her a little bit here. I got about an inch of ash already, actually. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little less than that. I laid mine down on some fiberboard, and now I have... Now I'm getting a little bit of fiberboard. A little my, glue? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what A little bit of wood on the end of my cigar. Doug's using glue. Live yeah. on air. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so uh, yeah. it's good to be back. Yeah, and, seems uh, like it's been kind of an eventful week. It hasn't been more than a week since we've had a show, but it seems like maybe it has been. Yeah, I it has been for me because I worked. My wife Tracy went out of town with the kids, and so for four days, three days, mm. I worked, yeah. came home, and then worked because they were gone. So I had several days where I was like kind of around. If I wasn't sleeping, I was working. Yeah. I, this is always that time of year for me too, where I'm doing marathon working sessions, where I'll be up on in the office before the family's up, and then I just kind of marathon it all day, and it, it's a, it's a weird mental time of year, I think, with taxes and you know some, doing, doing the small business thing and everything. It kind of falls to me, and I, like you understand that. Well, but you're normally not office work guy. You're normally well, out physical work guy. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. That's been my that's been my pattern historically. <clears throat> I'm sort of at a phase of life where that's shifting a little bit and that's kind of a hard hard thing for me but that's where it's at well i know i know going from an office job to working on the farm it's a shift and it's been a, a good shift I, I like working hard you know when i did the office job i i did other things that were physically exerting that weren't work but yeah. anyway so well we should uh yeah tell them what we got today yeah we should talk about this this is the uh, christoph britannia reserve robusto or, excuse me, Robusto. Robusto. Five and a half by 54. Um, we got a really good deal on these. Um, I would guess five years ago, I bought the same collection that we're going to go through, which is eight cigars. I bought the same collection five, I don't know, six years ago. And I smoked them, and I really liked them a lot. In fact, Kristoff might be my favorite brand if I had to name one. But that's kind of unfair. Um, but I paid eight bucks a stick, like sixty-four ninety-five. For the eight cigars. I found them online recently. Same collection. So they might have been sitting in the cigar store for several years. But same collection for $35.95. So we paid half price, a smidge over $4 a piece yeah. for these cigars. And uh, I knew they were good because I'd smoked the collection before. Some I like more than others. Um, but great deal. So And the link that will be on the podcast page... Um, is to whoever it was, and I forgot, it's either Holt, Cigars, or Neptune, whoever it was, it's not quite that cheap anymore, but it's still cheap. I can't remember if it was $49.95 for the collection now, but it's a really good deal still, even though it's they had a special on them when I got them. But, um, so, that's the that's the price, and here's, uh, here's, here's the info on the cigar. This cigar is a mellower handmade within the Kristoff portfolio, um, which is, which is not to be confused with a mellow handmaiden. Right. That's totally, completely different. Totally things. different. And, yeah. I don't know if it was rolled on the leg of a handmaiden. <laughs> it rolled on the leg of a mellow handmaiden. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, it is draped in a silky Honduran Connecticut shade wrapper and brims with aged Cuban seed Nicaraguan and Dominican long filler. Expect a highly complex yet exceptionally smooth to medium bodied 
uh, smooth, medium-bodied profile, a fine display of depth, flavor, and complexity, all wrapped up into one savory package. That's the Kristoff Britannia Reserve. Sweet. We have the flavor notes, but we'll not get into those till later in the podcast. I don't read them in advance because I don't want them telling me what I should taste. <laughs> so, what's your first impression? I mean, it's a really stark contrast to the cigars that we've been smoking. So right. That's the first thing I noticed, I think. And and that's good because really we could get ourselves stuck in a in a pattern. So that's good that we're doing that. But um, definitely feel some spicy, a little bit spicy. Definitely feel the lighter the lighter wrapper, the Connecticut wrapper different than what we've been doing we had we were just a drier taste all together yeah it's definitely definitely not as oily as, as some of the other cigars we've smoked um but um the 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 dry the dry leaf the the woodiness yeah. um and the the toast without the sweet bread kind of yeah, you, you get the sweet. bread but not not as sweet and there's a little spiciness and and sometimes connecticut shades do have a hint of sweet i'm not picking it up yet mm-hmm. But it's nice. It's soft, even though it's not oily. And um, the spice seems to be maybe just a hint more than I would expect from a Connecticut. But con- but you know you're not going to get. Yeah, I, I'm getting get almost it. like a, a conifer. Mm. Uh, like some, pineish. Like, yeah, like a pine forest in the in the retro hill a little bit already. Uh, so I don't know. That's what I'm supposed to be tasting or not, but I don't know. I might. I'll, I'll retrohale a bit too, and and we'll see what happens in the yeah. next few minutes. That's another thing. I think we talked about it on a previous podcast, but um, the retrohale early in the cigar is not a bad idea. Normally, I would wait until you know I'm like two thirds in before I would even try a retrohale. But really, it kind of helps. Um, I've been trying the last several to kind of do just a slight retrohale at the beginning to kind of just get the get the attitude of the cigar and helps to kind of tune you into what it's doing. So it definitely affects the taste. Yeah, for so. sure. So, uh, well, um, this is one of those weeks where I feel like it's been a little boring, but not, I mean, not uneventful. You Maybe know? it, to me, it's like been boring cause I had just haven't cared this week. <laughs> You know when you're when you're knee deep in it and you're you're monitoring all these stories and stuff and following every detail, uh, you know things have a different feel. But when I'm looking a lot and consumed with other things, sometimes I just don't care. Um, I definitely know what you mean. Um, it it's kind of so yeah. By saying it, there, there are plenty of things happening eventfully, but but I kind of don't care about them. Mm-hmm. Like things that are like ah, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Like saturation uh, level. Yeah, a little, yeah. A little bit. Um, but some, some of the things is just, and maybe, and this is something too, maybe I should care more. Right. You know, we, we have a, a senator that is uh, an open anti-Semite. Um, freshman senator. Freshman senator. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, um, maybe she's not the only one, but specifically I'm talking about Ilhan Omar. And uh, it's, it's just, it's interesting uh, the thing that impressed me was that, uh, according to Andrew Clavin at Daily Wire, the Democratic Party did say, hey, knock this off. This is not oh, what we're about. And I, so I think they kind of had to because there's a lot of, like, non-religious Jews that are that are leftists and Democrats. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot, lot. Yeah, it's like if, if they didn't hammer back at that a little bit, people were going to just stop giving them money. <laughs> you know? Well, it's like... <clears throat> I don't know how far I want to wade into this. I'm kind of hesitant even to bring it up, but there's the, this is a perfect example. What we're getting with with Omar is kind of a perfect example of sort of the blind um, 
inclusivism that we're seeing in the left. They, they want to wave that flag all the time of being inclusive, but they always forget to understand that consequences have ideas. You can't just say, oh, they're all welcome, they're all good. I mean, wait, <laughs> I, I just... Ideas I, have... Yeah. You said that wrong. Consequences do have... Ah, oh, yeah. Um, ideas anyways, have consequences. Yeah, ideas have consequences. And like... And uh, so here, here we're seeing this kind of play out for them where, you know, oh, it's really cool and edgy to, to um, have this... Uh, I don't know if you want what you want to call her. A young Muslim woman, which is kind of a cool, edgy thing. But understand that's going to bring ideas with it that are going to have consequences. And, and yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And so some of my, some of my life people, when I say I'm a Christian, they could bring up things that, that they think the Christian faith represents mm-hmm. at, at, from a non-Christian perspective. And I've had an opportunity to say, well, no, that's not exactly right. Sure. And so um, I, I've been there where you have to say, well, wait, no, that's not actually what the religion means. And, and so I do understand that sometimes when you have your holy scripture in front of you, you understand its context. You understand what it means. Yeah. Um, and, and somebody else might not. They could, they could misunderstand the letter that's, that's you know, written True. to me. True. Um, so I'm at least trying to create a little bit of a parallel that if she wants to say, wait, there are nice, peaceful Muslim people. And I'm not sure I would even argue with that. Right. I would argue with the ideas of Islam, just like someone would sure. argue with me about some of my Christian ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why, like you said, ideas have consequences. But the idea, and I've said this before, when we talk about inclusivity and diversity. It's like, I'm not into rape diversity. You know, right. no, you know, if you think rape's okay, I don't really want that diversity, yeah. uh, you know, in, um, in the conversation. But at a, if, if I'm not talking too much at, at a principle level, like I don't want to squash anything you yeah. want to say here at a principle level, my wife and I were talking about this last night. There was some stuff that she was going to go over with the girls and it was different thoughts for each day. And one of the thoughts was when you're listening Try, try to be unbiased and not, not judgmental. And at first I was bothered by the not, not judging thing. But when you are listening, it's important to not just instantly jump on something. Let yourself process it. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're making a sound judgment. And uh, I think uh, it, th- that's, that's really that's important to do. It's important mm-hmm. to not just pounce. Yeah. But well, and you've been around people, I'm sure, that... Sh- that there are some people that will finish other people's sentences, you know? That's a prime example, I think, of what, of what we're not supposed to do mentally as we're listening to someone. Don't immediately jump to the conclusion that you think that they're going to say. Even if it sounds like the cliche is getting ready to come out of their mouth, wait till they say the cliche. Don't just jump in and assume that that's what they're going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, you know, and the same thing is when we're talking about different religions and different biases or, or ideas that people have. It's good to not <clears throat> assume... You know, get your jump to conclusions mat out and, and jump on it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important. And it makes us better debaters as well as thinkers. And, and it makes a, our, our communication just more effective. Well, I, I've, learned, I've learned this from marriage. And I actually don't like that I've learned it from marriage because I've learned it from being on the wrong end. But it's important to, to try not to judge people's motives. Again, we have to, I think it's important to make a sound judgment. And sometimes you can figure out someone's motives, but it's important to not jump to that conclusion too quick because motives are a lot harder to figure out than actions 
and actually looking at a at a uh, hard idea. You're looking at a hard idea, looking at a hard idea, looking at a hard action. You can judge those. Motives are harder. And I've had my motives judged by my wife a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Part of that's just the miscommunication thing that happens when two different people, you know, sure. put their lives together. Mm-hmm. But I get just like, no. I said, you know, <laughs> so many times I'm I'm the bad guy when I'm like, no, that's not really what I meant. Yeah, it's not what I was trying to do. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, <sighs> so yeah, I'm. But I don't know. So, what do you think is going to happen with this? I mean, she's obviously not going <clears> to. <throat> prop, prop. She's probably not going to. Um, distance herself from her stated beliefs on these issues. Um, she may have to play nice and play politics a little bit, or else be a one-term senator. But uh, in this environment, that's it's, it's, it's a dangerous place to be, to find yourself as a freshman senator uh, already getting a lot of this, you know, sanctions if it, in the eye of the public opinion, if nowhere else. Yeah, I, th- this is where it gets to the, the where I sort of don't care. I mean, I, I do, I guess, but partly because I wouldn't say I much have much claim on her party, mm-hmm. so I, I care less right. because because it's not my party. I, I do, I see the double standard, and again, I'm still not sure I care. But like the Republicans, when someone is a racist, they want to, or you know, apparently, so they want to hammer them and they you know, drop all their committee appointments. Any excuse they can get to call them a racist is, you know, they look for that too. Well, yeah, but, but the point is, I think because we're more about the ideal than we are about your identity, mm-hmm. and more about we're we're less about inclusivity, more about the idea. We're more about the idea and less about diversity mm-hmm. than the Dems are. So the Dems are going to say, "Oh, but wait, we want to include her. Oh, but wait, she has this identity, and that's an important identity." And we're not, we're not going to say that. We're going to say, "What is the ideal? Right. What are the actions we're looking at?" Mm-hmm. And so the double standard doesn't bother me because I would say, yeah, it's a double standard, but our standard's right and your standard's wrong. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've seen a lot of people on, I don't know, like the social media thing. Um, so I, I mean, I'm on Twitter a lot. I get a lot of news from Twitter. Um, but it's interesting. Some people are saying that uh, Cortez and Omar are gifts to the, to the Republicans. And <clears throat> I mean... And that's kind of what I hear you saying a little bit is that we don't care because ultimately, if yeah, we think that their sort of side of it is wrong anyway. So let them let them be inconsistent. Let it let them be uh, compromised. Yeah, I, I did hear something that I thought was interesting just on the political level. I don't, I, you know, we talk about ideas, we talk about values and principles, but I, we're not politicians. And so on some level, we don't understand that. And I heard um, a conservative talk show host talking about the fact that whether or not Nancy Pelosi like agreed with AOC, she did have to kind of give her a chance to do her thing. Mm-hmm. That's part of the political thing, like give her enough rope to hang herself, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, even, if, even if Pelosi didn't believe in what she was doing or maybe sort of believed in some of it. But so the political thing there, I, I don't understand. But they were basically saying, yeah, I, I don't think they would. In, I don't think she would endorse much of what was in the program anyway. But she had to allow her that freedom in the <clears throat> caucus or whatever. Sure. So it was interesting to see that, and just not to not. So I'm I'm trying to communicate a question mark. I don't quite get that. I don't get why. But but this guy was smarter than me when he said it. And I wondered how how all that worked. So 
Um, we are at, at an update time. Yeah. So, um, and we're what, inch and, inch and a half, inch and a quarter? Yeah, getting there. <clears throat> and uh, burn, burn pretty good. Your ass just fell off. Oh, did it. And nice, nice straight burn. It's pretty decent. Could be. Yeah, looks all right. It's, it's following the contours of the leaves, and that's good. Yeah. I am getting some cracking on my wrapper there. Well, that, oh, that's kind of developing as I'm smoking here. Um, yeah, that... Uh, it's not hurting anything. Yeah, mine, mine neither. I had a little bit of cracking, I, I should mention, right right at the cap. But I just dampened it quite a bit with my mouth, and that, that held it down good, and it's not affecting the performance. I don't know. I, I would wonder if, you know, these cigars were... Maybe they were in the shop since six years ago when I bought the first batch, you know? And so they've been sitting there a long time. I would think they'd be humidified okay, but they were just a smidge dry when, when they came, but not enough that I would complain or send them back. I just stuck them in the humidor, and uh, and they're fine, and they're in good shape now. Some but of it, I assume, <clears throat> kind of has to do with the nature of the actual leaf uh, characteristics as well, I assume. The, the, the less oily leaf is, seems like it's going to be dryer you hit it i don't need to say it that's what i was going to say <laughs> but um taste wise um my ash just fell off if i was sitting it would have ended up in my lap <laughs> it's interesting that you said conifer because cedar would be a conifer pine would be a conifer and i'm i think maybe i would call it i would say maybe i'm getting some cedar off this the you know the woodiness. I'm going to say it's it's cedar. I, I'm sure the cedar, you know, humidor that was stored in might have might have gotten in the cigar. But it's uh, it's not sweet, but it's nice and mellow. It's smooth. It's really smooth. The spice um, is in the back of my throat. It was a little bit on the front of my tongue to begin with, and now it's settled into the back. Um, again, I'd like a little more sweet in the cigar that I'm getting. Um, not too dry. Sometimes Connecticut's can yeah, be too dry. I agree with you. I'm almost getting a little bit of gingerbread. <clears throat> Just a little bit, littlest bit there. Mm. Maybe I could see where the where the spice would would maybe maybe lead me to ginger just a tad. Mm -hmm. I had some ginger tea the other night. It was really or no, it was ginger something else. Some mix, some girly mixed drink with, oh. with ginger simple syrup. It wasn't ginger tea, but it was like peach vodka. And, Ginger simple syrup and a little bit of gin. I drink some of those. I, no, right. offense, no offense to ladies when I say girly drink, but I drink some yeah. of those girly drinks occasionally. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> um, made my wife a blueberry mojito, and I made this other one. So anyway, but um, any any more to say about the? No, I don't think it is sweetening up a little bit. I think to me, maybe maybe okay. it's because I'm sipping on coffee too. But uh, okay, but I think it is sweetening up a little bit, and I like that because uh, just like sweeter cigar. Yeah, I'm gonna drink a little water here and see what happens. And so clean it up a little bit. So um, <clears throat> I'd, I'd like to ask a question that I, I don't think will be a big conversation. I think most people, if they look at or have heard about the Green New Deal, um, some of it might look good on paper, but when you start thinking about it very much, it's kind of crazy. But I'm gonna say, was there anything at all in it that that might have been good? It just seemed like, from my perspective, everything was was crazy. <clears throat> uh, I didn't. I'll confess, I did not read the bill or whatever. Um, I've read a little bit of commentary, and I, it just seems to me like okay, like <clears throat> okay. Maybe we can drag this conversation. Okay, on, but 
it seems to me that there are some aspects of the sort of environmentalist things that could that that, that I can understand the reasoning, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's there are some systems that are probably just not that good, like. Uh, you know, the destruction that we do cause, like with, with fracking. I don't think fracking is that... I mean, it, it's amazing what they can do mm-hmm. to, pull, to pull those resources up. But there, at least I've been convinced, I guess, by things I've seen, that it does cause some last... I mean, when you're pumping, like, solvents into the ground and they're coming out in weird places, I just don't think that's a very good idea. Um, I, do I think that it would be <clears throat> neat if we could um, sort of adapt... Like if we if we if our whole society and all our all of our infrastructure was somehow just completely wiped out, you know, war or whatever, or if we were starting with a blank new slate, and with all the knowledge and science we have now to totally rebuild all the infrastructure, could we do it in a more efficient, longer lasting, more uh, uh, what's the renewable way? Probably we could. Like we have, there are some good ideas out there, but when you're talking about wiping it out so that you can rebuild it which sounds like in my interpretation of what i read or saw of the green new deal thing was it's basically like resetting everything we're gonna set set ourselves back a hundred years to you know to wipe out everything to rebuild it in the right quote-unquote right perfect world way um i don't it just doesn't make sense you just i think you can move in in good direction without just hamstringing an entire nation um, I agree. Um, so that's like on principle. I don't know. I didn't answer your question really. But. No, but that's okay. It, it's, it's interesting because we're actually going down a road that's making me think of principle more than it is the Green New Deal. And the fact that whether or not we're starting from scratch, if we had a huge war and we all started mm-hmm. at zero but still had the scientific knowledge, I still principally believe that freedom is better than force. Sure. Because I believe when we're free, like... If somebody says we have to do solar and so they try to incentivize the solar industry, all it does is make the prices go up and it makes creativity go down. If they leave the market free, then somebody's out there saying, gosh, solar is expensive. How can I make it cheaper? How can I make some money? out? I want to be creative and figure this out. And the freedom to do that is going to be ultimately better for the environment than forcing it. Mm -hmm. And the government's job is to protect those freedoms, not to force people to do something that they think is certain way, or yeah. That do something that yeah. they think is morally better. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <laughs> I'm, you know, even when you when you talk about fracking, um, I don't just know much about example, it. Yeah. yeah, just one example. But as you talked about it, I might agree that pumping solvents in the ground wouldn't be wouldn't be good. But if you let fracking go, we also assume it's always going to be bad. We don't know if in 10 years somebody's going to say, oh, wait, look, now we don't have to pump these solvents to the ground. We figured out another, a better way to get the oil out without doing that. Not only is it better for the environment, it's cheaper. So we assume that it's bad and it's always going to be bad. And they also assume that the eco-friendly version is good and always going to be good. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are you can't predict the future. Right. So we don't actually well, know those things. And, and they're... Speaking of assumptions, there's a ton of assumptions that go on in the environmental <laughs> on the environmental level. I mean, we, the fact is that we don't really know a lot of things. I mean, and I, I'm sure that some people would argue with me and say, "No, the science is settled." But I don't. I disagree. I don't think the science is settled on a lot of things. 
I mean, it, our, <laughs> I've even seen some pretty compelling arguments to say that fossil fuels are a renewable resource, that the earth is always manufacturing new fossil fuels all the time. And, and like the argument that, well, but they cause damage when you burn fossil fuels. I don't think that science is quite settled either. And <clears throat> I mean, you're right. There are so many assumptions at play with this green, what, for what is green. I mean, even, even the assumption that electric cars are less harmful than fossil fuel cars. Oh, gosh. When you go into the production of the, the waste and the harm environmentally that's done in the production of an electric car, I mean, you're talking about strip mining rare earth minerals in Africa or wherever. You're talking about the waste. What do you do with the waste? What do you do with a lithium-ion battery that weighs 1,000 pounds after it's after it's been wrecked or whatever. I mean, you can't just melt it down like you can with your Chevy truck and make it into another Chevy truck. <laughs> you, well, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's kind of like somebody saying, wait a minute, we can't eat chickens and eggs because chickens poop and that poop's bad because poop's yucky and it's gross and it's bad for the environment. Well, well we know now that it's not. Mm -hmm. It fertilizes the ground. It takes care of the ground so plants there's can grow cycle. so chickens can eat the plants and they can... Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a cycle there and when we assume, oh, this is bad... And not only that, the gosh, some they had some scientist. I, I wish I wish I had the information. Sometimes scientists wrote a book that basically said you can't be an unbiased scientist anymore because there's too much money in science. Yeah. Regardless of which side you're on, he it doesn't matter. There's you get this money to to do this study and this money to do this study, and it's your livelihood. So you do it, and of course you're biased, and you want to find the results that the company that's paying you wants you to find. Right. And so, like unbiased science is almost impossible anymore. So um, anyway, but so what do you think is going to happen with it, though? With this, I don't think cause anything because I heard yesterday. Uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was talking about uh, they were going to vote on it. Oh, I hope he I hope so. <laughs> he said yesterday they were going to vote on it, so I don't know if I didn't know that. Yet, but he said that people deserve to have their voices heard on it, and I think he was kind of like trying to hold back his laughter, like <laughs> let's watch this thing go down in flames, maybe. I I, think, I don't know, but yeah, they should vote on it. They should totally vote on it. Well, I think that needs to be done more often. I think we need to have public record of who well, said that's what yay he, and who said That was his thing. He's like, thing? people need okay. to go on the record yeah. about this. Yeah, we need to do that more often. Because we need to... Because there's, there's one thing when you're in the public eye and you're waving this particular flag or talking this particular talking point. But there's another thing when you vote. Yeah. When you vote, it's, it's on record and the people can say, sorry, that's not the vote we wanted. Yeah. It's important. It's yeah, totally it important. is. It is. So. Oh, and it's, and it's hilarious. It's hilarious the contortions that the politicians will do to appear to be progressive and environmental, and yet they still are, you know, they're playing to their special interests and everything. It's, it's just, it's good theater. This is completely irrelevant. I heard Cory Booker is a vegan. I didn't even know that. Cory Booker's a vegan. That's what I heard. I didn't know. Did you hear it? I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know anything about him, really. But yeah, he was talking about, like, not eating, not eating meat, and like, uh, but not just him not eating meat, but like forcing everybody to like not eat meat. Oh wow! Um, yeah, getting rid of cows, you know, isn't is that part of the Green Deal? Is like uh, cow flagellants, I'm sure. Is yeah, that that was in there. That was that was part of it. Well, and the thing is, it's like what on some level, it just seems like Dems don't get. Uh, they do, I guess, they, but they don't get the complete human condition, or they would do it differently. 
Because you, when you force somebody, like, like, like certain parts of Christianity that I don't think did Christianity right, but they would say, oh no, that alcohol is evil. Don't ever do, don't know it's horrible and it's bad. Well, then the kids are like, is it? Yeah, it's really bad. I want to, I got to take it. What's it mm-hmm. taste like? They're like, they, they're eager to, to try it. The forbidden fruit. Yeah, if you can make a soy burger that tastes way better than a hamburger, you go out and sell 8.8 trillion of them as not the un-McDonald's. Do that. Mm-hmm. And you'll get people to eat less meat. But if you just try to say, oh, no, you're wrong, you shouldn't eat meat, and force your values on somebody else, that, not only is it kind of un-American, but it's just, it doesn't work. Human nature doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You put your fists up and you say, no, back off, buddy. Don't you touch my hamburger. Yeah, right. Punch you in the nose, well, you vegan. <laughs> yeah. And you so know. many of these things, I mean, maybe I'm sounding a little bit conspiratorial again. Uh, kind of put that hat away for a while. But, but, uh, but really, some of the stated goals of some of these leftist groups are literally to reduce the world population by 90% because they know that their quote-unquote right way isn't, you couldn't do it for that many people. So, I mean, it's kind of hidden in the back of all this stuff, but overpopulation is one of their main things. And like, yeah, understanding the human condition made me think of that. Like, no, they don't understand people. Yeah. People are important. Well, and, and we adapt not only mentally, but physically. And when you, when, when the alarmists for global warming start talking about what's going to happen, first of all, their predictions are most of the time ridiculous. And it's one assumption on another assumption on another assumption. And, you know, if any one little percentage is a little off, then the next little percentage yeah. is off. It's just an exponential ridiculous conclusion they come to. Um, but but the point in that isn't isn't even so much that they're wrong. It's like, what if they're right? We're adaptive. You can't predict the future and what we're going to do and how we're going to adapt or not adapt. You know. Um, and one of the one of the funniest parts was like, if you're standing if you're standing at the coast and the water's making your socks wet, you're not going to stand there for a hundred years and die. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, it's just you know, in a hundred years, if the oceans do rise, well, then people are going to move mm-hmm. away from the ocean, and uh, you know, a little bit. Right. And but well, we're supposed to be dead already, are we? According to the orig- original inconvenient truth, Al Gore that, predictions, oh. I think we're already supposed to be dead. I think. Maybe it uh, seemed like it was two. Was it two thousand twelve? Was it that early that we were supposed to be dead? Or yeah, something? I mean, we're supposed to be dead. Iced over, frozen, yeah. or warm? Wait, which is it? Oh, I don't <laughs> it's hard to tell. Burned up, frozen, flooded. Um, I have to admit, though, their marketing is good. Something climate change. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cold today. See, it's climate change. Oh, it's warm tomorrow. Well, climate change. Yeah, it's the unanswerable <laughs> thing. You know, like when did you stop beating your wife? Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. It's it's fun though. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad that there's a, a mass majority of people that go through their everyday lives and ignore all of the rhetoric. They just, they go about their business, they do it. I love doing the podcast and talking about stuff, but I've wondered sometimes if I should take a break. If I should say, for 30 days, Joe, you're the one in charge. (laughs) You make sure that you pay attention to what's going on. I'm going to take a break. You know, just because I wonder sometimes if it, if it affects me too much, um, you know, it's, I do know at the end of the day, I go home and most of the time we don't talk about it, but my wife and I got talking about regulation and taxes last night and she's excited 
that they're, and this is relevant, I suppose, it's a topic. She was talking about how there's a push to deregulate massage. And, and of course, I, I have a list of these things that leftists always throw out. One of the first is safety. They go, oh, safety, oh, you somebody yeah, they gonna... like that one a lot. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like, first of all, if, if you're a massage therapist, you're, you're developing clientele. They're going to get to know you. They're going to trust you or not. And they're like, oh, well, what about grandma? Doesn't have anybody to look out for Well, first of all, the, you have to know who is yours. What's your responsibility? If my grandma's going to go to a new massage therapist, I might go with her the first couple times and just make sure my grandma's not alive. But you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, just to make sure things are, things are kosher and cool. You know, it's like... It, it, on some level, it's not my responsibility to worry about your grandma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not the government's responsibility to worry about your grandma. It's your grandma's responsibility and yours and maybe your brother's. and you know. And so th- those things matter. And the fact, and then they're like, oh, well, we want people to know that we're official licensed massage therapists. Well, form a group. Yeah. We belong to this. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. But I just, you're, you either do the job well or you don't, honestly. Um, because if... Your wife, who is not a licensed massage therapist, tried to give a massage to somebody compared to my wife. My wife's trained, and I, I would put money that my wife would do better. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the person wouldn't necessarily like it, but under certain, you know, mm-hmm. she's, she's trained, she's good at it. That's all you, you know, and I don't even know that you need to be trained, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think there's value in it. Sure. But I don't think you need to say, I have a license, so I'm better. I, yeah, I'm tempted to kind of go into the, into the, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go there. Okay. So, for example... Um, sure. Hold the thought. Yeah, yeah, cigar yeah. update. Yep. Okay. Because we're, we're at the 30-minute the mark on the cigar. I got about an inch hanging on. I thought I... And, and I'm a little excited about it, so don't forget where you were going to go. I'm starting to get a little sweet Good. out of it, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Get some sweet... And something else I'm not sure of, but because it's fun to just try. It's weird that it's getting sweeter, but I got a... There's a bitterness that might be a coffee... It just, but it's just a hint, and it might not be. It might be something else, but I'm going to call it coffee right now. I might say different in 10 minutes. Yeah, I taste it, but I don't know what it is either. It's kind yeah. of elusive. So, um, but everything else tobacco. is... Cons- yeah. <laughs> it might just be... T- I'm getting a lot of tobacco on it. I'm getting a lot of tobacco on this cigar. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of burning, warm, tobacco, smoky tobacco. Yeah, it's like a smoky tobacco. <laughs> Jeez. Um, the draw, by the way, is great. Yeah, the draw is very good. I think that's why kind of the Robusto size, the what's the I forget what the other one's called. There's two sizes that are like like fifty-two to fifty-six mm-hmm. in there, and they're really popular because it's easy to roll a good cigar that size. You go bigger, it can get a little too loose. You go smaller, it can get tight. I love a Lanzaro or a, or a Corona that's yeah. rolled rolled well, but mm-hmm. you but it's possibility yeah. that it'll get too snug. I agree. Well, so. I agree, and I, even the the draw was kind of almost when we first lit. I almost I was it was an easy draw, and so I was a little bit insecure whether it was getting lit well or not. So I was you know kind of tending it well, but but yeah, now it's uh, the draw is perfect. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have any. Not really getting anything new right now though, except for maybe that bitter like you were talking about. Yep. All right. Well. Okay. So where are we? I will say this. Okay. Um, it is getting a little dry to me. Just a little. Yep. I will confess though, I have I've been battling a cold the last several days, and I had nasal congestion, so I was like sleeping with my mouth open, and my tongue was just, oh, it felt so terrible. <laughs> it feels better now, so but maybe I have a little bit of that residual that's just bothering the inside of my mouth, but but uh, it's a little dry. 
funny, gross thing, just because we can talk about <laughs> what we want on our podcast. I woke up midway through the night with a matted, sopping beard. I love that. Because <laughs> yeah. I was face down on my pillow with my mouth open. Yeah, it yeah. was so gross. Ah. I, like, grabbed my robe and just, like, rubbed it. To, my robe's terry, like a, like a sure, towel. Sure. <laughs> just rubbed it to wipe the spit out of my face. It was, it was so gross. Anyway, but, um, yeah. so. Good though. So where were you going to go? Okay, so the whole idea of licensing and all this stuff, it's kind of, it's, <clears throat> so I don't think anybody will get in trouble about this because she's not, it's not really happening right now anyway, but um, for years, my wife has cut people's hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, her friend's hair, she's not, she's not been formally trained and has her certification or whatever, and she's never done it, like, as a business for money. There's been some people that have, like, tipped her or bought her coffee or whatever, you know, so I and it's never been a consistent thing, so don't go trying to get me in trouble. Or whatever. But like, it's it's a one, it's a perfect example of if she's good at it and she builds a reputation for it, people are go, people have people come to her all the time, say, "Hey, can you cut my hair? Can you cut my hair?" And that's how that's how the market does a really good job of regulating services. I mean, we don't need to go about yeah. if yeah, it's not what. It's not what regulation was ever for. It was to make it easy to do business. It wasn't right. to restrict who could or couldn't do business. You taught me that regulation means mm-hmm. to make regular. To make it regular. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. If you want to go to a licensed person, that's, that's where the, 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 the license could be good because it does give some level of validation mm-hmm. to you. But it shouldn't stop somebody without your level right. of expertise from doing it if they want mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it gets to be a problem because then the, the licensure and the and the committees get get big and get tied in with politics, and then they try to put legal restrictions and say, "Oh no, we have to protect the consumer." No, you don't. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> black markets exist. Sorry to say, yeah. but but like the medical thing is is a th- is a, another example of this. I mean, like, okay, so Doug, are you saying that doctors shouldn't um, we shouldn't make doctors have degrees and be certified? Kind of, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I am you, saying that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and I think we might as well just take it to its, take it to the the full way because, I mean, if if you are a, not good at what you're doing and you're hurting people, you're not going to be in business. Right. And then I don't. You said make doctors not be certified. I don't think the government should make them not be if I they want to be certified. I, I know, I know. I, that's why I wanted. I didn't think you meant that. They want to be educated. They want to be credentialed. They want to get licenses. Fine. But they shouldn't make them do that, and they shouldn't restrict somebody else Mm -hmm. from doing it. Yeah. If there's a guy that grew up on the farm, he's really good at treating animals, and from time to time people come to him, and he's like, oh, I know what you have. You got a nutrient deficiency, and just start taking this. Yeah. That's illegal. Yeah. And And it should not. It shouldn't be illegal. Yeah. In fact, next time I'm like, hey. You were telling me I had a nutrient deficiency. I got this wrong. Here's 20 bucks. Right. What can I do now? Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like, and, and that person's prices would be according. You know, if, if somebody goes and gets seven years of education and has all this scientific equipment and they've got all this stuff, they're going to charge more. But, hey, there's always going to be a group of people that doesn't have a lot of money that's going to be willing to go to the retired vet that helps people, you know? Yeah, yep. and, uh, and I know nothing about this, but on, on the farm, I'm just amazed how much any guy off the street can take a syringe and go in and shoot a yeah. shoot a pig in the in a particular area with a whatever it is there's multiple drugs but you know you you'd get in trouble if if I said oh well yeah I know what that does and right. you know people say oh well, that's not safe cuz you don't have the expertise to know 
well, okay, then maybe I won't have that person shoot me with that yeah. needle. If, if, or yeah. maybe I want to take that chance. Yeah. That's that's yeah. it's my body, my choice. Right. So I'm, I'm pro-choice when it comes to <laughs> mm. <laughs> no regulation on Can medicine. I drop a pro-choice in here? Sure, quick? go ahead. Go um, ahead. I saw a statement yesterday that just reminded me, and it's really worthy of putting on here. Um, an ex-surgeon general, I don't remember his name, but he, he's a former Surgeon General, uh, came out, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before or something, and said, medically, there is never a woman's health concern that would ever justify uh, aborting late-term, a late-term pregnancy. Basically, they're saying it's never, it's never an issue of mother's health when it's late-term, ever. There's no reason that would cause the doctor to say, oh, well... Listen, because of your health, we, this is a this is a good choice. Never. That's interesting. That's important. I think that is. That's that's really good to hear. I, I hope that conversation keeps going. Well, and the fact is, I think most Americans think it's ridiculous anyway. Yeah. Um. So, um, I, I, you know, we didn't mention that we're not we're not in our garage. Yeah, we, we need to mention though. that. Yeah, kind of so. echoey. I think it'll be apparent. On yeah, the- it, pr- it probably will be. But uh, it my my garage, we turn on the. What's, what's that heat, a little LP heater? Yeah, like a space Blow heater. it really, really loud for 10 minutes and then shut it off and we freeze for the, for yeah, the whole podcast. The <laughs> so we, we took a different option today. Yeah, we're, we're actually, in fact, this will be our unofficial sponsor of the day. Uh, shout out to Shutz Services, Brian Shutz over there, who let us use his shop today. Nice heated shop for us and he's cigar friendly. That's the hard part these days is finding a place that that'll let us smoke cigars inside. I know. I, I thought it was so, cool. I saw his pipe laying over there yeah. on the shelf too. So he yeah. so he is a fellow tobacco uh, lover. So yeah, t- tobacconist, uh, tobacco lover. I don't know. I don't, don't think you'd be a tobacconist unless you have the official license yeah, from the government. A, <laughs> certification for that. You can't blend tobacco where it's illegal, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But if I buy this tin and that tin and dump them together, that's probably against the law. So, right? so are we, yeah, I just thought of this. Accreditation versus regulation. What do you think about that? Yeah. That's well, kind of what we were just talking about. Yeah, well, I, you know, an accreditation is your industry trying to legitimize itself by whatever, a plaque, what, you know, license. We have authority because of our expertise, and we, we <clears throat> grant this person authority because he... he Rises to our our standards, right? right. And that's that's free market. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yep. But when that accreditation or whatever gets tied in with politics, and they say now it's illegal for you to do it if you're not licensed, then that's uh, yeah, accreditation. Those are some of those words are hard to say. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's where it becomes wrong. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know if we want to go here. Did you hear that? It's been it's old news, but the. I think they were Haitian ladies that were like yeah, braiding braid, girls' braid, hairs yeah. in Iowa. Unbelievable, and, isn't it? Yeah, they, they couldn't just be somebody couldn't pay them ten bucks and have them braid their little girls' hair because they didn't have an official yeah. what, whatever it's called. And they were braiding. They weren't doing. <clears throat> tell me how braiding somebody's hair is a health hazard. It's it's <laughs> ridiculous. That's 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 why we need to keep government small. Government, sh- you know, it's not government's job to be involved in that. It just isn't. State or federal, I'm, I'm, it's, I think it's really easy on the federal level to say it's not their job. But it, it, the closer it gets, the you know. I wonder what the origin origin of that, like with haircutting as a specific example. What is the origin of them regulating that even? Do you think it was a lobby by a barber's union or something? I mean, well, who started that? Well, sometimes it gets tied up into education because then 
you can charge m more for your education if when you teach somebody something, at the end you give them a license. Right. And then, well, that license has value because that says I've been trained. And so mm -hmm. somebody says, oh, I'd rather go to a trained person than an untrained. Mm -hmm. But then eventually they lobby the government so that then now you can only cut hair if you have the license. And then it's more value. So you're ed you can charge more for the education to get the license. So you, you see what, and that's, it's just, it's just instead interfering. Of, instead of charging more because you have a better Because product. you're good, right. Instead of doing that. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, anyway. And it just... Industries self-regulate because it's good for them too. Oh, you got a, I got a walking burn happening here. Looks like a little. You do. We're uh, we're we're a little early, but go ahead because we're we're close. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't have anything to say other than it's an inch. It's starting to burn the walking. Yeah, it's an inch. I, I think it's burning right up that crack. Oh, that could that could be affecting it a little. Oh. Sorry for your mess up. I might up. rectify this here in a little bit just to kind of get Yeah, yours is getting close to where I would I would almost correct it. Yeah. But, uh, and if you got a nice small flame, it's a, it's easier. Flick my back here a little bit. I've got that fun torch that, that not torch, but that fun little lantern that leaves a big flame. It's a little hard to to focus the adjusting burn. Yeah. What are you doing for fun these days, Doug? This isn't like a political conversation, but for some reason, the reason I ask that is because I'm lighting. I'm doing this and. All out, of the, out of nowhere, the thought hits me like a meteor. I gotta go to a hockey game. <laughs> I haven't been to one yet this year. But uh, do um, have fun. Oh, you know, this part of me says this is negative, and I know it's not. But there's part of me that's like people that sit at home and don't get out much are boring old people. And I never wanted to be a, become a boring old guy. But you know what? I'm not a boring old guy. I like being at home and playing with my girls. And... I don't think I, I don't know if I said this before on the podcast, but we got a trampoline, we got a climbing wall, we got a climbing rope, we got monkey bars, all that in our living room because we like to hang out with our kids and, and have that kind of fun. And yeah, it's nice to go out to a restaurant and have pizza, but God, it's so much easier to stay at home and have pizza, you know. Yep. But um, so so that's fun. I, you know, I am glad that I get to hang out with you and occasionally some other people enjoy cigars. I had a. Had a nice glass of scotch last night while I watched TV with my wife. And man, 15, 20 years ago, I'd have been like, that sounds kind of boring. But you know what? It was a really good glass of scotch. <laughs> I was watching Blue Bloods with my wife on the couch and the kids were asleep. You know? It's, yeah. That's, yeah. It's good. It's good to be able to enjoy <clears throat> your life, you know? And I'm not saying that I don't enjoy mine, but mm -hmm. I just didn't know if there's anything that you'd been doing. Or I, I can't say anything, to it. anything new that's hopping out. I... I have thought I need to exercise more mm -hmm. and to make it fun. I've it's it's hilarious when my wife is doing any kind of yoga to watch <laughs> Fia who is three and Isla who is six try to do yoga. That's like more fun than watching a comedian. I'll tell uh -huh. you what, just because you want it, I want to correct them. <laughs> just say no, and just but just let them go. Let it go. They're nuts, you know. Oh man, <clears throat> yeah, it can be fun. I I get kicked out. Basically, whenever my wife goes to work out, she does a, she has a DVD with like a workout thing that she's done for years. And she, every time I come in from outside working or whatever, come downstairs or whatever, and she's doing that, she basically kicks me out because I'll just sit there and laugh at the, <laughs> that is a lot of fun. Watch the wife work out. That's, hey. <laughs> my wife plays up. Uh, ballet videos. Oh yeah, and the girls, mm. of course, will watch the video for five minutes, but then they'll get up and try to do everything they saw, and that's funny. Absolutely. I didn't actually talk about the cigar 
and and I should because there was a, something maybe that I'm getting. I'm still not sure if that coffee was coffee, but I think the the woody I think the woody is settling into a cedar. But I wondered if I got a hint of maybe cinnamon. Um, and again, and I'm talking the the, the flavor and the spice because a little bit of spice is there. But again, I said ginger earlier. Yeah. I don't know if it's more cinnamon because when you get kind of a toasty cinnamon. You know, yeah. cinnamon toast, how it kind of goes together, <clears throat> but not any sweeter, but just if you could have cinnamon toast without the sugar on it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I think I'm getting a little, a little of that as we got, what, I don't know, two and a half inches left. Down in the last third. <clears throat> yeah. So, sure. so yeah. So we talk about barriers a little bit. I think we should. That's the part that was so boring. I'm tired of hearing about it. But yeah, yeah, we need to. Well, it's, they're going to shut down here. Pretty, or I guess Drudge headline this morning said that the... They're not going to shut down now? That there is a deal? Well, the last thing I heard was that there's a deal, but Trump hasn't signed it. So we're going to have to talk about whether he should sign it or not, because we don't know if it's yeah. been signed. It could have been signed, and we just I don't think know. I think something that ought to be at least discussed publicly before he does sign it is this idea of, of using El Chapo's money. Oh, yeah. $14 uh, billion. Dollars. Cruz has yeah. some, yeah, has some Cruz that, actor bill or something on yeah, the table. So I think that that's going to be... For one, so much better than an emergency announcement. Uh, I really I think so. I really, really, really want to applaud the president for not yet doing that. Every other president does it, and you know they were going to make a big stink out of it if he did it, despite every other president having done it in the past. And I just really applaud him for like sticking with his guns on that. And so I think Chapo's money, man. Build a barrier. That that sounds pretty pretty like a pretty good idea to me. And uh, and the other thing, and this is again, I, I don't quite get the politics, but this is one of those things. Like, how could the Democrats say no to that? Right. I mean, well, because they don't want a wall is why they would say no. <clears throat> right. But but a barrier is okay. What, I just yeah, I want to see somebody in the media say, what is the difference between a wall and a barrier? I'm sure somebody's asked it, but and I don't think anybody it. has. It's like. like well, you know, a wall, uh, we don't want walls. Walls are racist, but barriers aren't. Yeah, right. That's... I wish we didn't have to. I, you know, I, Ron Paul, years ago, said, don't build a wall because walls are used just as much to keep people in as to keep people out. <clears throat> I get that. It's not good when you have to restrict movement, but, man, just, especially since I started this law enforcement thing, like, there's so much crud coming in from Mexico and really, really dangerous, dangerous stuff. And it's, unless you can get a handle on it, I don't know what else to do. Well, it, it does just seem, I mean, sure, it's an, it's an expense, but I mean, there's plenty of people out there talking about how that, first of all, it's an expense, but yeah, you're, what you're doing though is you're making the border patrol more efficient. You're also making crime and the expense it spent on, yeah, it would pay for itself in, in no time at all. And Econo from an economic standpoint, right? And the, and you can't. F and yes, there are other problems in immigration to fix, but you can't fix them until you have the wall, or until the administrative if, and not administrative state, the uh, welfare state is gone. Mm -hmm. You either have to get rid of the welfare state or build the wall. One of the two. I don't think there are any other options. I would be more in favor of no wall, no no welfare state. That would be better. I'm not sure if that would solve the. Um, the problem of these huge Crime. black market, uh, yeah, because like 
the prostitution market and the drug market are, and the trap. Well, the trafficking market is a big thing. Not just sex trafficking, but also people that are looking for work. Like people that once they get here might not even apply for welfare, but and they'll actually do needed services. Uh-huh. But this is the, that's the way that they choose to get here is they hire a smuggler oh, yeah. to yeah. bring them in here. Um, there's a huge market for that, yeah. and until we can get a, a quicker, easier, legitimate pathway here, it's still gonna, there's still going to be a huge market. Well, for that. okay, so the libertarian side of me says, okay, it's a market. What's what's wrong with that market? Well, right. I mean, you could just say it's fine. <clears throat> Leave it alone. Um, but that same market, drug dealers can. Yeah, it's a. I think yeah. it's a bad market. Yeah, all the way around, people get hurt from it and. Not just our people, but the people that are trying to do good for their families, too. Because I don't... I never have hated on... That's the wrong word, because that's what they would like to say. I've never been against the idea of a poor Central American man trying to make a living for his family. He sees an opportunity, he goes. Right. I, I, I understand that, but, like, the people that are there taking advantage of them are the ones that I want to stop. Yeah, me, me too. And I've, I've always... Uh, if somebody calls me a racist, I'm, sometimes I agree and say, yeah, I like Mexicans and people from India a little bit better because that's how I spent some of my life. Mm-hmm. did missionary work in India. I speak Spanish almost fluently. Um, love Latinos. Speak, you know, speak to them all the time. I've been to, a couple, been to Mexico a couple times and done other stuff. It's like so – I mean that's not really being a racist. That's just perf- – you know, right. that's the relationships I've had. So I do like those people better. But it's like – the wall isn't against Mexicans. It's actually protecting them. It's saying, okay, we're going to funnel the legitimate people to a point where it's safe mm-hmm. for them to try and come in. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. <clears throat> so, so, I yeah. mean a barrier, not a wall. A barrier is a good thing because it funnels the whatever. Uh, um, so, uh, we got about eight minutes. This might be the first time we finish a cigar in the podcast, maybe. I don't know if we'll quite finish it, but it's getting close. Yeah, I don't think we'll be quite done when the time's yeah, up, but, yeah. but it's going to be really close. We, we started probably a good 10 or 15 minutes before. Yeah, we, we were well into the cigar yeah. anyway. So uh, let's see here. <clears throat> um, so I had this thought, and it, it's related to the wall because I think you've heard that they're trying to limit the number of detainment beds, mm. which basically you come in – you're illegal, so we put you in jail. Um, there's only so many of them. <clears throat> and, of course, if you don't have a place to contain them, you have to release them um, into the public. Uh, I, I don't think there's – I think there's some rule that says you can't throw them back over the border. Um, and I might agree it's a little inhumane to just say, <laughs> go back. They'll probably just sneak in somewhere else. But, but the point is – my point that I wanted to make, regardless of what Trump and the Dems think, it's like – why don't we reduce the need for the beds first and then diminish the money funding for the beds? Why, why do that now? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because there's, you know, we don't have 500 detainment beds that are just sitting there not being used. Right. You know, so it's ridiculous to, to lower the amount. Right. Because they're needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's always way more complicated than it needs to be, isn't it? Yes, I do. I do hate that. Hate that's a strong word. I dislike that. That it has to be bargained that way. But I guess on some level, that is that is the 
American way, I, I guess. We have to bargain, and people with different views have to discuss it and figure it out. <clears throat> but um, it's the, the thing is, it's like it's never – we're already on plan B. We're already not in the best-case scenario because people are breaking the law. And, yeah. Well, if we can – so – and you're you're becoming a cop. I think I don't know if you you'll have knowledge of this because oh, I'm not becoming a cop, Douglas. I am. You a are a cop already. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Um, so when someone like El Chapo is is convicted, it's just normal. They they take the his assets that were acquired from his illegal behavior. That's normal. That's legal. That's probably constitutional. Yeah. There's no. no it's just like there. if it's just like if you get caught shooting deer. You know, illegally. If you get caught shooting deer illegally, they're gonna not only arrest you, but they're gonna seize everything that you used to do that, including your truck, your truck, your gun. If you, I mean, if you're on foot, then they'll take okay. your gun or whatever, your knife, your your coat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that, anything used in commission of the crime. Okay, and uh, but they will do that before you go through court and are convicted. Usually, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. Okay. And uh, when but someone was saying civil asset forfeiture is bad and unconstitutional, do you know what that is and why? I'm well, not because that's not the same as if I'm hunting taking my rifle. Right. I I, I don't know the answer. Okay. Answer, okay. So that's the best. Uh, that's the best testimony I can give you there. <laughs> guess we'll I guess know. we'll have to either do some research or have somebody write in and comment yeah. and tell us a little. bit I know more that, about that it is a big issue, and I at one time was more up to speed with it than I am now. And, wow. What'd you do? Burnt my nose a little bit. <laughs> That's why I just retrohaled a little too much. And I, and I think probably with somebody like El Chapo, is it's going to be different too because he's not even an American citizen, right? He's like, didn't we nab him from somewhere? Oh, yeah, I don't... I don't even know. International crime is a... That's not even my it, deal. Yeah, so. it does does get quite a bit quite a bit more complicated. There we go. Don't need to answer that in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> Unless it's Mark calling from Rome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey Mark, you're in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> I think, actually, I think uh, I just heard from Mark this home? morning. He's they're leaving soon, okay. so he was glad that we were going to record today, so he could have something to listen to on the plane. Fun, fun. It is kind of cool that we have a had a listener overseas. Yeah. So, um, well, kind um, of getting down to it here. We are. Um, I think uh, we should probably do the final wrap. Um, cigars getting short, and it's time. So, what's our What's our final comments here? You want to read the taste profile? Yeah, taste profile. This says the prominent notes that we should be tasting are cream, nuts, toast, and gentle spices behind a buttery, rich finish. Hmm. I'm not getting creamy at all. I'm not getting cream and butter at all, so I'd have to disagree there, I think. Mostly uh, because of lack of oil, I'll confess. I don't, yeah. Uh, I know oil helps you think creamy, but there's a creamy uh, taste that I'm not sure I'm getting either. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to agree with their marketing notes. I'm I'm still going to stick to what we said before. Just a hint of that bitter that might be coffee. I thought I got maybe a hint of cinnamon at the end, but cedar, toasty, woody. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, that is the Christophe Britannia Reserve Robusto that we're still going to finish finish up, and we're going to call that a wrap for Doug what's, and Joe. Huh? What's next week? Do we know what we're smoking? It'll be another Kristoff. We have like eight of them okay. to go through. I, I can't. I don't know for sure what's next week, but it won't be a Connecticut. Right? <laughs> so it'll be a little. It's gone. It'll it'll be a little more, a little more flavorful, a little uh, different. It'll be different than this. Sure. So, but uh, thanks for listening to Doug and Joe talk. Talk to you next time.